Ah, episode 44 of the Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. It's me and you and Just Jiu-Jitsu. What do you think? Should that be the new intro? Hey, man, I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> well, this is the Just Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. My name is Andrew Desimone, and I am with... Kryler Gracie. And we are here today to do a BJJ Giants episode. This episode is about someone you may be familiar with. I think it's pronounced Rickson. Get out. Rick, Rickson. Just get out. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I no longer endorse this podcast. It is Hickson Gracie. Yes, it's the Hickson Gracie episode. And he's here today. No, he's not here today. Uh, this is one that I've been excited about. And I've there's some of the BJJ giants that we are obvious ones we haven't done. Hickson is one of them. Helio, Hoist, like those that you just know. They're so huge. Right. It's like you know, let's wait for that one. And I and I, I couldn't wait any longer. I wanted to do this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain my introduction to Hitch. Hickson and his legacy. So I knew Hoist. I knew of Hoist before I knew of Hickson. Most Americans do, yeah. And that's what I found. Yeah, I thought most famous Gracie, Hoist. That's we, we. Most of us found him through the UFC. Right, which was primarily aired in America. Yes, and then later in life, I started. Once I started to have some interest in jujitsu and and then MMA, I started to hear of Hickson. And I started seeing people say Hickson was pretty much the undisputed best jiu-jitsu practitioner. And then people would argue MMA fighter, especially in those early days. Mm-hmm. He was the best. They say he was the best and strongest Gracie. And I thought, wait a second, how is he? I thought that's Hoist. And then as I started to do more research, I realized that within the like educated martial arts community, Hickson is like the guy who reigns supreme. Yeah, Hickson is, um, I don't think, you can talk to a lot of people, just about anybody in the Jiu-Jitsu community, but even even more so, um, you can find people within the family. And, you know, everybody in my family is pretty accomplished. So to have, even within the family, have a pretty much a unanimous, you know, consensus that Hickson is or you know was might still be i don't know the best ever you know and that's yeah that says a lot in a family where you have a ton of people who are so huge they could you'd think that they could make a good case for themselves but most uh, a lot of times you hear in an interview those people then say no no i like thank you for the compliments but like hicks hickson is the guy and that's what surprised me i thought when i saw the first time someone said no hickson is the top dog. I thought this is something that I'm sure if I research, I'll see the other people in the family start to argue about, but I didn't see that. Uh, everyone pretty much just said, yeah, even like Hoist and Hoyler and these guys would yeah, say, yeah, Hickson's the guy. So um, Hickson's kind of an interesting cat from people that were around at the time where they were both alive. Hickson's still alive. Holes is not alive anymore. Um, he's not with us, but you know, the consensus was that Holes was even better than Hickson, you know, but uh, it, I mean, pretty much across the board, anybody you talk to, 
that holes was better. There's videos of holes, you know, kind of toying with Hickson and things like that. But there was a seven year gap between the two of them where holes was seven years older. And, and you know, with, with holes passing, his his status and his mystique grows. You know, how great could he have been had he not passed at such an early age? Mm. You know, but I think when once I think once holes passed, Hickson became the de facto undisputed champ of the family. Yeah, if I ever saw, if there ever was any question about the top dog with the Gracie family holes would be the name that would come up I'd, I'd right. see that sometimes and we yeah. talked about that a little bit in yeah. the holes episode yeah. um, if we look at let's start with like some context about mm-hmm. Hickson who he was his position yeah. in the family he's born in 1958 right he's the third oldest of my uncles of my grandfather's kids okay born in Rio now amongst the kids third oldest he is the two above him would be Horian and Helson. Helson. Mm-hmm. The other ones, are they half siblings? Yeah. So my grandfather had a couple wives. Um, his last wife was my grandmother. Um, but, but you know, in, in Brazil, the whole half sibling thing doesn't really exist. There's not like that distinction. No, you're just, that's your brother, you know. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, my grandmother's kids would, you know, call my grandpa's first wife, you know, like the, the, the brunette mom, you know, and then, or the blonde mom and my grandma was the brunette mom and so on, you know, so, so that, that distinction doesn't really happen in Brazil. I don't think any of my uncles go, Oh, this guy's my half brother or my half sister. No, it's, that's your brother. And that's your sister. It's like my cousins. I have cousins that are second cousins, you know, uh, they're my cousins, you know, mm. I have uncles on the other side of the family which I don't think in America you guys would do that. Like, you know, you're, it'd be like your great uncle or something like that. Yeah. There's a distinction. It's just your uncle. Like it doesn't make a difference, you know, family's family. Um, No. So, so Hickson was the third oldest, um, you know, from my grandfather and, and he, he was um, to, to quote some family members, he was my grandfather's Mona Lisa. Okay, and I've you've mentioned it before. What? Why do they say that? Um, was there special treatment? Um, maybe. Yeah, I obviously wasn't around. Um, you know, I've heard stories that yeah, I heard stories that no, but I, I think what it came down to is he, my grandfather looked. Um, he looked to build an army of people that would dominate the martial arts world, right? And and, and all his kids were. And his brother was much the same. Much of their kids were meant to be built for this purpose, this function. To fight the robots. A lot of people don't hear about that part, but that was that was part of the Gracie Manifesto, was raise these people to then fight, fight the, the, uh, the coming robots. Right. That's, why, that's right. why there's still so many of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you guys, yeah, you're, doing, you're still set up for it. Yeah, no. Um, so the, the, the purpose was how can we make the future generations better than us. And this came down to training, how, how my grandfather trained versus how he trained his kids and, and how his brother trained his kids and how they trained the next generation to how the, that generation, my uncle's generation 
trained us and so on. There was always improvements, how they ate, you know, my grandfather and his brother um, coming up with the, the Gracie diet, you know, that was to better the, the next generation. So they're better nutrition, better well-fed, you know, they, they can perform better. Um, the how how the the um, their athletic shape was how much physical workout they're doing versus just training increased over time you know you look at um you look at guys like you, you know from that generation from michael's generation like hickson was built like he looked built but he was the only one you know you look at my generation all my cousins are six foot plus they're all huge and built and great athletes you know um so, so my grandfather's purpose was to always better the next generation so that we can eventually fulfill the mission of, you know, dominating, dominating the martial arts world, which, which I think was accomplished much earlier than my grandfather even saw with, with Hickson and Hoyce and their popularity. You know, basically they changed the martial arts community. Yeah. Do you think it happened faster than expected? Do you think he expected to see such growth while he was still alive? Um, I think he expected it. I don't think he thought it would happen. Those are two different things, right? I mean, there's expectations and reality. I don't think my grandfather's was was delusional. Um, you know, so let me put it this way: if the UFC had not happened in the early '90s, right, it just didn't exist, the martial arts world would still be the same today. If the UFC was created today for the first time, and Hoy stepped in there for the first time, and the same event that happened in the early '90s happened today the change to the martial arts community would happen within six months. Right. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Because the, the ability to witness and to see and to study and to communicate and to learn is much, much more accessible via online. You know, everybody's got a camera on their phone back then that, that wasn't the case, you know, like for people in Brazil to see the they had to wait for the DVD release in America and have somebody from America bring it down to Brazil. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't like an easy feat. And that know. was a, even now it, it would be an explosion, but that was an explosion compared to Correct. relatively speaking to what had right. come before. So yeah, it's interesting to see or to think about if that happened nowadays, not only would you have the, if it happened now, the UFC, event itself blow up but all the things that happened in the myths and legends of jujitsu lore like the hugo uh hugo and hickson fight on the beach which we'll get right. into this episode or next and all these things that right you either don't have footage or the footage is just on a shitty old vhs recorder right, right. That would be incredible to have right. an iPhone X footage of those things. Right. And it's one of those things where, you know, if you imagine back in my grandfather's time, like when he was fighting and he was trying to get his name out there and the family's name out there and represent the family really well, there's no way he could have envisioned like YouTube. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, like the internet with videos, like you have all of the world's knowledge on your smartphone. Like that would have never been something that he could even think about have been witchcraft mm -hmm. so you know for i'm sure he could see it growing in television and newspapers and stuff but i don't think he could ever imagine how fast that distribution happened because it happened fairly quick you know if you think about it like brazilian jiu-jitsu gracie jiu-jitsu is only you know 100 years or, or so old and it's changed martial arts world martial arts that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years 
you know, um, and it changed within a single person's lifetime. That's incredible. It's, yeah, it's wild. Now, going if we go back to Hickson, young Hickson, growing up, what was life like for a young Gracie at that time? What, where were they? What was like the living arrangement? Did they have like an estate there on? Were they just yeah. like little gym at that point? Because there's the Gracie compound, man. Like, did uh, they have it though at that? At that? Yeah. Time? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Gracie compound existed. It existed for a long time, and and basically it was a huge, huge property with lots of. <clears throat> it was a huge property, a huge house, lots of rooms. Um, basically, the family, the entire family, lived there together. Everybody trained together. Was it um, your? Was it? Elio and Carlos, or did they have separate properties? Um, I, at the time, um, Carlos had an apartment on his own that he would go off and stay in at times. I'm sure my grandfather may have had similar accommodations, but generally speaking, they're all together there. Um, uh, at some point in the future, my grandfather um, built an estate of his own in the mountains of Rio, and, and basically there he built his smaller version of his Gracie compound, which is where I was raised. So the... Before he built that other Gracie account, the first one was that in the city? Nah, you know, I don't, I couldn't tell you. I don't think it was because of the amount of property. I mean, you've been to Rio, it's pretty well developed. Yeah. My guess is, is it was probably in the mountains, probably around the same area he built his own. Okay. You know, he may just have not needed, you know, a house that can sleep, you know, 100 people. He may just need a house that sleeps 30 people. Right. What's the age span from. Is it Helson that's the oldest? Um, Horian. Horian. From Horian to with the youngest child would be... Uh, uh, who? Hobbin. Hobbin would be the youngest male, I think. My, Which is probably like, what, mid-40s? Yeah. Hissy, Hissy is the youngest child. Okay. Yeah. So you have about a 20-year... Yeah. Yeah, okay. And... So they're growing up. What what is what do you think like the training regimen or like the life is like for a 13, 14 year old who's growing up in? It's pretty much the same for the five or six year old or for the 19 or 20 year old. Get up early, get fed some sort of fruit concoction. You know, you do some chores. Oh, so you wake up, you have a margarita. That sounds amazing. Yeah, no alcohol in the no alcohol in the greasy diet. A virgin margarita. Cool. A pina colada, and then what? You like sit by the pool and yeah. yeah no, you do some chores. You help around the house, whether it's the farm or um, tend to the horses or dogs, etc. And then um, then you train, and then you you go to school for a little bit, and you come back, and you train some more, and then you hang out around the house, do some chores, do some silly stuff. And then you, you train some more and then you like go to bed and rinse and repeat. Now in those early days, were the, were there just to clarify the people that are listening in Brazil, the school day is only like four hours long, maybe five. Um, and is it five days a week? Yeah. Oh wow. So you're only doing about 20 hours a week. Yeah. Because the rest of the time is wasted. I, I I would have loved that as a kid, yeah. I mean, this went all the way through like high school and stuff, the equivalent of high school. Is it still that way? Yeah. If you're a kid growing up there, did they have was it did they have workouts besides just like jujitsu training and rolling? Um, would you like run? Would you do like certain workouts? Nuts. I mean, at Hickson's time, um, not right away. Right. The belief was jujitsu is all you needed. Mm-hmm. Um. As as I'm sure as Hickson's generation, Hoyce, Hoyler, Horian, Helson, all of them, as they got older, they were probably um, doing activities that would give them 
physical ability, you know, whether it was playing soccer or going to swim on the beach or going surfing, surfing is big in the Gracie family. Um, whether it's, you know, running, you know, but maybe not with the purpose of the exercise, the purpose of just doing something fun, something different than jujitsu, a break from that. And in doing his activities, they were also getting the physical preparation, you know? Yeah. Just like you dance, not to dance. Well, actually, no, you do dance to dance because you've said that you've never, could, you never you fe- never feel freer God. than when you're dancing. If I could, I can't dance. Let's be real here. That's not even something that can be like joked on. It's embarrassing. You know, in the age of like deep fakes where you can have someone's face on like a body and make a video look real, I would love to put your face on just that sounds some, horrible. Some like hip hop dance and it be so realistic that people aren't sure if it's real or not. And okay. then there's that question on so is he just being humble when he says he can't dance or does he actually know how to dance? No, I actually don't know how to dance. Or do you? We'll I, never I, know. I, I don't. <laughs> we uh, know. So when Hickson's growing up as the son of Helio and the uh, nephew of Carlos. Do people at that time know much about the Gracies? What's their what's their like reputation? Because it's not huge, but your grandpa still had like some big my, fights. So my my grandfather and his brother definitely made a name for themselves by introducing uh, Gracie Jiu Jitsu to Brazil. Right? Um, they my grandfather was was the first the first like national hero in brazil is my grandfather national sports hero and put it that way because because there are other heroes um because he he challenged the japanese you know he, he kind of tried to like put brazil on a map for mm. something that otherwise they were unknown for and and uh, so so there's definitely some you know notoriety they know who they are you know my grandfather and his brother did all sorts of different tactics to like get their name out. They would challenge other schools. They would put it on the newspapers. And so, so people knew who the Gracies were. What they may have not known at the time is what was happening behind the scenes, that the next generation was being essentially bred and fed and built into better versions of the previous, uh, previous generation, and that they would go on to you know, do bigger and better things. So people at the time could be mistakenly have thought, well, this is just, these two brothers are just trying to get their 15 minutes of fame. And, or, or, and, and or, then, or that might've been it. Yeah. Just the two of them. You right. Know, they yeah. could have been, the, just get the, a little pub yeah. publicity, make a little money. Right. They're the exception. They're not the rule. Interesting. So as there's this, this mini army being built, we have Hickson coming through the ranks and he's good. Uh, I was going to say Hickson Hickson was um, you can look at Hickson now Hickson was is a very scary guy he was very physically gifted very he's, he was handsome. At, he he's handsome as hell too. I mean, he's a good looking guy. He's a good looking dude. Yeah. 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 But he was he was f- physically gifted. Um, you know, he was pretty tall for the Gracie family at the time. Yeah, my grandfather was very short, so Hickson at five eight, five nine, five ten, five eleven. Five ten, I think. Yeah, was much bigger, much taller than my grandfather. He 
was built. He was the first Gracie to be like jacked, you know, um, walked around 185 to 200 pounds, pretty much most of his competitive life, uh, not an ounce of fat. He was very flexible. He was very explosive, very quick, agile. Like he had all these incredible, like he hit the, like the lottery when it came to like athletic attributes. Right. Right. And then on top of that, you, my grandfather took special interest in, you know, he, he, he trained all his kids to be successful and all his kids to be incredible martial artists. But I, I'm sure my grandfather being the, the genius that he was, he saw the potential in somebody with those kind of physical, the, the kind of physical gift, a physical specimen. I'm sure he invested time and, and the mentality and the burden of being the best, I'm sure was put on whether it was explicit or implicitly on Hickson because most of my uncles will admit that Hickson would would drill for hours when he didn't he didn't need to you know he he was not just physically gifted but he he also worked hard you know which is an an even rarer combination of right. someone who has immense physical gifts and then also has an insane drive to like right. perfect and, and, technique and, and on top of that he believed it yeah he believed that that he that he could be the best embodiment of jujitsu. Right. That's a that's a horrible combination. Somebody who has the tools, has the ability to use those tools, and knows it. <laughs> yeah, because if you're at the gym and you and you're you're watching the guy who has who's very gifted and is just an athlete, and you're thinking, okay, yeah, you've got that. But I am gonna keep plugging away, and I'm you're ignoring technique, so I'm gonna get you there. Right. But if you're watching that guy as you walk out of the gym, and you're like, he's still drilling, and then you right. show up the next day, and you're like, he was drilling before me. He, he his technique is gonna be better. Oh God, I'm right. never gonna beat this guy. And then maybe you think I'm gonna break him. Like I'm just gonna keep coming, and I'll keep losing, but I'll wear him out, and I'll just I'll, I'll break him mentally. Like and he he doesn't. Right. That's a problem. Yeah, and so if we if we move along to, uh, well, I think Hickson got his belt when he was eighteen. Yeah, he got his black belt when he was eighteen, but he should have been awarded it far sooner than that. Um, Could you? Was there a rule? That yeah, you, yeah. At the time, it's the thing. It still is today. Eighteen is the earliest you can get. Okay. And you say he should have it just because he. I mean, anybody I've talked to that was around the Hickson at that time said at at, at around a purple belt level, people were already avoiding him. Would he, could he be, would he like teach classes and do privates or was that something uh, I'm that? I'm sure he was. Um, Hickson has always been a, a samurai. Like Hickson's always been a true samurai. And, 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 um, and, and to be that great and to be that good and to be that focused, he, a lot of the energy was put into himself, into being the best version of himself, being the best at what he wanted to be. Um, Kawan, my cousin, who who is Hickson's daughter, um, when we were in Ireland together this year, um, she mentioned something I thought was great. You know, she said the the true martial artist is the person that seeks perfection at anything that they do. That is a martial artist. It doesn't has nothing to do with fighting, right? The, a, a true mastery means giving one hundred percent of what you got to what you believe in, and 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 honing those skills and. Um, when I think of okay, like a true martial artist, like like for Hickson to achieve what he did and to be as great as he was, there had to be a lot of self focus, and you know it, 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 
I'm sure he taught. I'm sure he, he taught class and he had privates and stuff. But it wouldn't surprise me that a lot of time, instead of spent passing that information, was more used on development. And, and, and it's perfectly acceptable. I mean, that was his mission. Especially if you have the mentality of, I before I can teach these people, I need to really focus on myself. Absolutely. I need to... I need to take advantage of my youth, my ability to train right. hard, 100%. and then someday start to teach. Yeah, and, and, and the greatest tragedy in jiu-jitsu will be the day that Hickson passes, because there is a wealth of information that will will disappear with him. So, gets his black belt at 18. Once he gets his black belt, I don't know for sure, but I the first mention I see of a fight like a first professional fight, a big name fight for him was at 19. Zulu. Yeah. He fight, fought, fought, is it Ray or Rai? R-E-I. Hey. Hey, of course. Damn it. <laughs> so he fights Hey Zulu. Yeah. King Zulu. That's what that means. That sounds even cooler. Yeah. King Zulu. Yeah. What Do you know anything about Zulu? Yeah. Zulu was like 200 plus wins, no losses. He was a huge brawler in Brazil. Hickson's like a 180 pound 18 yeah, year old yeah. or 19 Zulu, year old Zulu is huge there's footage you can see footage on youtube of that match oh really yeah yeah zulu was in, is a huge guy he's easily 220 230 240 um hickson was 190 185 190 pounds um zulu had like i said over 200 fights under his belt he lost very few of them so he's got he, he he has made a name for himself oh absolutely zulu was the like the guy to be in fact when when the it's a funny story when the gracie yeah, um, family was building its name and the generation was being brought up. Zulu obviously saw the opportunity to, you know, make even a bigger name for himself. If I take out a Gracie, I'm not only a guy who's won a 200 and some fights, I'm the guy who beat the Gracie family. And the Gracies were all okay with that because a fight with Zulu meant knocking out a guy who had. 200 some fights yeah um and, and zulu to my understanding and I, and I could be i could be wrong but to my understanding zulu um zulu issued the challenge or my family issued the challenge i don't know who issued the challenge but they agreed to it and they they were supposed to meet like gracie family and zulu's team were supposed to meet to decide who would fight zulu and um i guess my grandfather um said uh zulu said i'll fight any of you guys and he looked at the this the you know the people that were going to represent the family you know helian hoys maybe not helian but holes and hickson and horan and helson and so on and 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 zulu said i'll fight anybody but i won't fight like the the blue-eyed devil or whatever he called holes because holes holes had blue eyes yeah he said i'll fight anybody (laughs) but him and i guess it was just because of how you know the aura that that the holes had and basically interesting um hickson was put up to fight uh, um zulu at a very very early age i think i have that same aura of the holes i'm terrified every day i come in here yeah that's what i that's the vibe i pick up on everyone and i don't know what it is i try to be a nice guy but some people just born with that just killer instinct so uh so hickson steps up to fight zulu and it was i think it was like hickson's longest fight to his career it was like 17 minutes or something like that and then he wins via rear naked choke. Correct. Okay. And then that has to be a pretty big boost to, not, well, Gracie's, but also Hickson finally gets a little, that's his, his first like introduction to the world. Spotlight. Like, yeah. Immediate spotlight. Now, 
the next thing I saw was Hickson and Hugo Duarte. Correct. Now. Oh, man. I f- <laughs> I'm, oh, man. I, I know. I'm wondering if we should talk about it this episode cause, or next episode. Because this one, I, I my intention was this will be kind of just a walkthrough of... But it was a very important fight. I know. To, to, to talk about Hickson's development. Like... All right, fuck it, let's do it. I, I mean, know, we won't on, let, let, let me check with management. <laughs> I mean, we we won't get through the whole Hugo Duarte thing because it's it's such a huge it's a huge story and it deserves almost an episode of its own. We'll we'll take a vote. Who wants to talk about it now? <laughs> we have one, just one vote. Okay, so I, it, sure. You can't have a, a, a governing body if one person just says, sure. All right, we'll talk about it now. So okay. we're, we're, we're talking about this fight. Now, Hugo Duarte is a Luta Libre Correct. fighter. Yes. He is a guy who is the challenge. Well, <laughs> does he issue the challenge? Does Hickson issue a challenge? What instigates this This famous and infamous altercation. So before we get that far, <laughs> with an episode on Luther Livre and why there were... And we even talked about this a little bit. Right. There's, there's a rivalry, right? Clearly, both styles want to demonstrate who's top dog. Um, at the time, Hugo Duarte was either number one or one of the top guys um, from that school of thought, the Luther Livre school, right? And, and they were... He was good, man. He was a tough guy. He was roughly Hickson size. He was essentially um, what the Gracies considered Hickson to be, like the the embodiment of that. Like Duarte was by his peers considered to be this really tough guy, like the toughest guy. And you know, there can only be one. If I say I'm best and you say you're the best, if we both believe in it, we're gonna have to duke it out. Um, the problem was Duarte was running out of time because uh, Hickson, that's when around the time where Hickson started traveling, coming to America, going to Japan, and, and, and not necessarily competing, but, but Hickson became more mobile. What do you do if you're not as mobile and, and you live in the same town of this guy who's supposed to be just as good as you and you want to prove that you're better than them and they're leaving like... You, you got to rush it. You got to make this happen. It's You're going to miss your chance. Yeah, it's tough because Hickson didn't have to make that happen, you know. Um, so the other thing that, that was happening at the time is, is Hickson had a Hickson had this record of being like 400 plus no losses, right? Like 370 some fights when he started fighting and then no losses. But um, that has been... Looks like mystified a little bit. Even like um, something like like Elio came out and kind of. Yeah, basically, I think I think you know the, the 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 claim is that it involves like tournament matches and things like that. But nonetheless, it's a huge, impressive score. Four hundred wins on anything us, yeah. on anything is is incredible. But nonetheless, um, so the Lutelever guys launched the insult and the assault of. Um, we're better. Ugo is better. This has to happen, and and and, and tensions sparked up. Um, so they f- they met at the beach, and the that um 
how how do we go about that event? Um, they met at the beach. So let's let's set it up. It's a <laughs> it's a warm summer day on the beaches of Rio. Uh, you you have a a young vibrant population who just looks fantastic in bathing suits, tanned young bodies, surfing, swimming, playing on the beach. Uh, there's probably a little bit of maybe some handball, a little soccer, a little bit of what else would you're, they do? You're really enjoying this building, this world creation thing, right? Yeah. You have the beautiful, uh, I don't know what beach they were on, but let's just say it's, uh, so, so we're going to skip this. This is, this is not, uh, hold on, hold on. We're, we're building up to it. You have, you have a young Hickson walking up to the beach with his, with his posse. He's, he's wearing a big gold chain around his neck. He has a big boom box. I don't think there's a boom, oh, backwards. boom box. <laughs> no, I don't think there's any of that. Okay. Maybe that was a little bit, uh, a little too theatrical. All right, fine. Go ahead. You take it from here. Basically, they they end up meeting at the beach after um, those liver guys had issued the the claim that Hugo was better, and Hugo very much believed he was. <clears throat> Does and Hickson so, know he's on the beach when he's arriving? I'm sure. Um, I don't know that he knew how close, but anyways, Hugo um, Hugo actually came comes up to Hickson, and um, Hickson you know, isn't going to back down and, and, and then the fight starts, you know, I think Hickson slaps Ugo and Ugo takes his watch off. It's all in the footage. And, and yeah, you can find this video and it's not, it's not super clear. So this, this would have been a time where we would have benefited if it happened a, a year ago. Right. Because you have to imagine at that time, someone is, is, is Hickson's son videotaping? If I remember no, correctly, it was, I think it was Hoyler that was videotaping it. Okay. Yeah, I believe it was Hoyler that, that recorded it. Yeah. All right. And so they have this, this big camcorder and they're trying to videotape on VHS as everyone on the beach is like crowding around. So you can see this, it's not clear, but you at least get to kind of witness the pandemonium right. that ensues. Yeah. So, so they start, um, there's a scuffle. Hickson takes him down. Top mounts, gift wraps, uh, Ugo, which gift wrap was like Hickson's iconic thing. Real quick, um, gift wrap for people um, listening. So basically is when one of your arms is across your body and then they uh, hold your wrist behind your head. So your arm is completely, almost like being like uh, in a full full metal, not a full metal, but a straight jacket. jacket. Sorry, yeah. Um, so then um, so then he, he holds him there and Hickson punches him and elbows him uh, like nonstop for a while, um, and and Ugo is refusing to to turn around because if he turns around, he's gonna give up his back, he's gonna get choked, right? And um, and so Hickson just continues to beat him. The intent would be to have him turn around so he could choke him. Ugo refuses, and and Hickson. It's pretty tough and badass on his part to just say, "I'm just, I'm just gonna, gonna, I'm just gonna just take, take it. these yeah. shots to the face." And uh, and and from family members accounts uh hickson's told him i i i won't stop until i'm exhausted of beating your face in and motherfucker i've got great cardio <laughs> and 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 you know and then ugo yielded he said okay enough you know and then does he does he turn over or does he just say like no he doesn't turn he, over he just no says, he's, he's i'm done yeah so then there's a you know a lot of people small riot whatever you want to call it you know people are leaving people are separating because now the fight's over who knows if one team will jump the other and things go crazy but they both actually 
swim for a second and got out of the water. Um, oh, I'm sure the salt water felt great I'm on his I'm sure it felt wound. wonderful, yeah. Supposedly the scuffle was over. Hickson proved himself to be the better guy, right? Shocking the cops didn't stop that fight, right? Right. The problem was Ugo could claim that that was not a fair fight. Ugo could claim that Hickson came ready to He was fight. ambushed. Correct. And it was in the beach. It's the sand. It's not fair. Whatever. And, and, and it's a fair argument. To his defense, he, he may have been truly completely unaware of what was happening. Well, you have to at least know that you don't know. He could have known it was coming. You know that Hickson knew it was coming mm-hmm. because there was a camera there. But Correct. But yeah, so, so then he's thinking, all right, it's not fair. Let's make things even now. Right. So did you look into this? Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, so then, uh, Ugo basically uh, creates a mob of people or gathers a mob of people that backed him, that believed that he was better, that was part of his team, was supporters of the Luta Livre style. And they marched through the city. It was the same day or at a later uh, time? I think it was like weeks later, like okay. to the point where Hickson wasn't even... Like he's, he's he, ill when as they far, come. As, as, well, Hickson, as far as he's concerned, this this beef has been squashed. <laughs> and, and, uh, and basically as they're parading through town... Um, some of the students from the from from Hickson's team from the Gracie side see this happening. They see that they're coming, and they they go on a on a frenzy to find Hickson. And Hickson had been had stayed out late. And he was hanging out with friends and things like that. And he um, and so he he comes back. They wake him up, and Hickson is like hardly awake. He's feeling like shit. You know, uh, he may have been sick. I don't remember the whole incident. I don't know if he was sick from something he ate or if he was just out late and it was one of those nights, you know, but he, um, he's like, he's got like, like his PJs on like his bottom footy pajamas. No, he's, (laughs) he's got like his sleeping shorts on and like a shirt, you know, and doesn't even brush. He's wearing like an oversized bugs bunny t-shirt. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. No. Um, so basically the this guy's like Hickson you, you gotta come they're gonna storm the school they're coming and they Hickson jumps on this guy's I think it was like a motorcycle and basically he's like riding behind this guy on a motorcycle and pulls up this would make a great scene in a movie I'm telling you this whole event like if you, if you started in Hickson's life and you go through Zulu and the ups and lo- the highs and lows and everything that went in between and then you go through the Duarte. I mean, it would be like an epic, like crazy movie. But anyways, so Hickson gets to the school, comes out, meets the Ugo and his mob outside. And Ugo and those guys had like weapons and stuff. And Ugo was like, we're going to we're going to fight again. And and Hickson said, that's fine. But if anybody touches me while we're fighting, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and and th- that's, I mean, that that's a fair strategy, right? If you're fighting a mob of people and your target is one person, they interfere. That one person has to pay. And they were supposed to fight then and there. And it was supposed to be this huge thing. Um, my grandfather even stepped out of the school, stepped outside to see this whole event unfold. And, and, uh, and basically this cop, I think it was a cop, like basically shot a, shot a pistol up in the air to like scare the crowd. And, and then basically everybody dispersed. 
Um, this just sounds like an average Wednesday at our school. Yeah, yeah, mob of people. I mean, it's like yeah, gangs, of York, like ga- yeah. gangs of New York style. Yeah, that is you know kind of what like? it sounds like. And and basically, the cops were shot in the air, and and people got in the cars and left, and everybody ran away and dispersed and so on. Well, now it's on because now there's that the beef is clearly not squashed. I think that's a good ending point for today. Oh, all right. Well, that's the first <laughs> time that you had a bookmark on it. So that, that I mean, that I is. I mean, because if we're going to do another Hicks and Gracie episode. We are. We yeah. have at least another episode. Yeah, because so we'll have to, we, that's a good place to start. We'll pick up from here. There's a cliffhanger. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting pretty, <laughs> you know what? You should hop on this side now. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. And I'll hop on that side. Yeah, and then I'll start that. delivering all the, the knowledge and, and then this episode, will, the we series will plummet. <laughs> we should do it. <laughs> so, Andrew, tell me about your theory on Top Mount. Uh, can we talk about, like, TV shows or something? <laughs> all right. So, before we leave, let's do a listener question. Okay. Listener mailbag. And this is the listener mailbag. I hope you guys are all equally disturbed by this <laughs> as I am. All right. So our listener email today is from his Instagram. I believe his name is Ray. Uh, just going by his, his, his tag. All right. So his question starts off. He says, I heard that in a street fight, it is best to have wrestling and boxing versus jujitsu because all fights start standing and you need to know how to strike back and block a punch. My son has done jiu-jitsu for a, for a year now, and living in the Midwest, we're very lucky to even have a jiu-jitsu school, but self-defense is not really taught. The reason most people practice any self-defense art is for self-defense, but jiu-jitsu has changed to be sports-slash-competition-driven and not self-defense-driven. So how does the BJJ community as a whole get back to its intended origin? It should a parent like myself also enroll my child in wrestling and boxing, or do you really believe that learning sports jujitsu would still be the most effective form of self-defense? That's like a super loaded question. It, it is. I mean, one, I can't speak for the whole jujitsu community. <laughs> but we do on a weekly basis. I mean, do we? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> a little. Um, no. Um, so I guess we'll start at the top. You know, the, the first thing was, do I believe jujitsu to be the best form of self-defense? Yes, 100%. Well, Aikido is the best. I thought that's what you were going to say. No. I, I 100% believe Jiu-Jitsu is uh, the most effective form of combat and the most effective form of self-defense across all body types and all age groups. Um, now, anything that you do in addition to that will benefit you, right? So if you look at MMA... Um, you can have a straight jujitsu guy go into MA and do okay, but very rarely will you see a straight striker into MA and do well, right? right. There's always a combo there. So when it comes to, to, to being a complete fighter, whether it's for self-defense purposes or for you know MMA or competition, whatever the case may be, knowing more is always better, right? Um, do I think wrestling and boxing to be the combination to be better than jujitsu? No, because somebody's always going to hit harder and there's always going to be somebody bigger. And the only martial art that addresses both issues are jujitsu. Um, they address how does somebody who is smaller, 
how can somebody smaller make somebody weaker nullifying punches turning their weight and size um to their benefit jujitsu provides that i think and i think it's been proven across the board now if you're a kid knew jujitsu and wrestling and boxing would it be better sure why not you know if your kid knew muay thai on top of that and you know knew how to use a gun and knew how to use a knife and was properly trained with that better yes 100 percent. the more knowledge you have the better um but if we're looking at single martial arts for single martial arts i think um gracie jutsu brazilian jutsu provides the best overall package right um now you're in the Midwest. While there are far fewer schools in the Midwest than there are in the in the um, in the border in the in the coasts, um, it is not so underdeveloped in the Midwest anymore, to where you couldn't find a school that provided self-defense as well. You know, I'm one of few in my area, but I am still one of few in my area. You know, and and if you look you know within an hour hour and a half unless you're literally in the middle of nowhere you will find at least one other school and they may offer self-defense right um now let's say that that's not a possibility you're you're that you only have one school and they're only sport jiu-jitsu and that is the only source of jiu-jitsu there is in your area there's no way would it still work in in a self-defense situation absolutely your your average purple belt um on you know that's that's a competitor that that trains hard that is there every day your average purple belt will maul your average person on the street will it will he be aware as aware of every potential situation that he may encounter in a self-defense scenario as somebody who also trains the self-defense side of of brazilian jiu-jitsu probably not but against your your layman yeah they should have no problem all the same doesn't mean you should neglect the self-defense you know it's very hard to argue that you're you could ever be a black belt if you don't know how to get out of a headlock i mean you know you can argue that a black belt would never be headlocked but that's not the point should you enroll your child i think in addition to you can i do i think it's necessary probably not what was the other question oh how do we get back to its origins yes and and as far as how do we get jujitsu back to its roots to where most schools are doing self or most schools at least have the ability to provide the self-defense portion of jujitsu? I don't think we can. I think America's safety has very greatly diminished the need for a self-defense driven curriculum to exist. If you know it's safe, there's not necessarily that motivation to. Do yeah, that. if you know you're safe, if you know that nothing can happen to you, then then you don't feel any need to be prepared. Mm. You know, now most self defense schools, the people that attend the self defense classes, if it's not mandated, if it's not mandatory, if they're coming in to attend those self defense classes, the vast population that attends those classes are people that have been in situations where they wish they would have known self-defense mm. or they're being put there by people that were put in a situation where they wish they would have known self-defense. And he mentions in the context of like 
kids and bullying. Uh, right. Sh- we sh- should still have the self-defense in the context of that. You're not necessarily, you don't have the demand from as many people here in the U.S. for, I need to learn how to protect against a knife and a gun, but right. I may need, my kid may need to learn how to defend against right. a kid. And, and, and I think, I think all the kids should go through a self-defense course. They should all be able to protect themselves, not just be a competitor in, in a sport, but be, be capable enough to protect themselves against their peers. I don't even know how to describe it because I, I kind of grew up doing jiu-jitsu, but I see it in the gym all the time. You know, when, when, even teenagers, adults come into the class and they're meek and quiet and they're uncomfortable because they don't know what can happen or what could happen, even though nothing, nobody's going to attack them, nobody's going to hurt them, but they, they, they don't talk a lot. They don't, you know, make jokes. They don't, you know, they're, 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 they're basically, they're surviving that hour mentally surviving that hour, you know, and then they can go back to their comfort zone and then you see them six months later or a year later and while nothing may have changed in their personal life just having six months a year a year and a half of training under their belt and knowing that they have some ability to do something should something horrible happen changes their personality completely you see kids become more confident more outgoing you see adults believe in in what they want and, and be able to send up to other people yeah, that, that, that's the gist of it. And then a shout out to his son, Aiden, who's in seventh grade. And he said, likes the podcast and listens to it. Oh, nice. You have something to say to a seventh grader starting out? Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> uh, stick to it. Yeah. You're going to want to quit. At some point, you're going to want to quit. At some point, somebody's going to come in and beat your behind and you're not going to appreciate it. <laughs> You even censored yourself. I did. It was very tough. nice. It was stuff that hurt a little bit. You're gonna have someone who's gonna want to beat your your little bo- your little bottom. Yeah, right. It, it, that hurt a little bit. But anyways, <laughs> at some point, somebody's gonna come in and beat you. It, it may be for a long time that they're beating you, and and it gets frustrated. You know, it may be a girl that you you meet. It may be distraction. It may be another sport. It may be something else. Um, but but don't quit. Because everybody that quits at every age, when they come back, they wish they didn't quit. We have a guy that just came back to the school. Um, he took almost six or seven months off. And he's like, hey, man, did you know that I, I started training with you eight years ago? And I'm like, yeah, you could have been well into your purple belt, almost brown belt by now. And he's like, yeah, kind of. So as a seventh grader, you have very few responsibilities and very few things that you must do. So dedicate your time. Get good at this. It's a it's a gift that'll change your life. There you go, Aiden. Don't mess up. You better get your little uh, behind in, in gear <laughs> and start yeah, training. Yeah, don't 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 fuck anything up, and then we're good. Okay, well you you were just saying behind to center yourself, and this yeah. is don't fuck anything up. <laughs> I have to balance myself out somewhere in there. Yeah, right. There you go, Aiden. Get that little behind in gear. Don't you fuck <laughs> up, you piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that. Andrew took that to another level. <laughs> All right, so well, before we tune out here, let's do a little bit of Would You Rather. Oh, God damn. I thought that we were, I thought we were done. You I thought that was again. it. Aiden, I'm sorry, man. He's he's, he's just <laughs> savage here. Oh, my God. All right, so let's do, do a quick. Uh, would you rather be able to fly, but when you fly, you have to shake your ass vigorously and snap your fingers. So like side to side, you're shaking and snapping your fingers. But you can fly. In- indefinitely. Fly indefinitely. Yeah, as long as you have the energy to okay, keep doing gotcha. that. Okay, gotcha. Uh, okay. 
or you're you have the power of invisibility but every time you switch over to invisibility you just involuntarily giggle so you're invisible but you're just going <laughs> but do i have to giggle the whole time I'm invisible or just when i shift no the whole time oh yeah no i'd fly you're flying yeah but i mean don't underestimate like you might be thinking oh i'll fly to travel now Yes, but I mean that motion of shaking and this. I would have an incredible body. It'll start burning. <laughs> you'll have a stomach like Shakira. That's right. And your your hips will start moving really well, and you you'll be it. on the road to dancing before you know it. No, there's no incentives there. Okay, so all right, so you're gonna fly. <laughs> Last one. <laughs> would you rather have the ability to tell? No, uh, um. let's go. Would you rather have the... I thought, I thought you always thought of these ahead of time and you had them listed somewhere. You're coming up with these on the fly. That's pretty impressive. Sometimes I'll have notes. Um, would you rather have $20 million, but every time you spend money, you start to cry so hard you vomit? And that's like gas. That's a gum. Okay. That's, or have the ability to teleport... But every time you appear somewhere, wherever you choose to teleport to, it's in like the closest public spot and you're naked. I'll, I'll teleport every time. <laughs> so right now, if you go, I want to teleport home. Right. You teleport to what? Let's not say the public place. The most embarrassing place close by. So you live near your in-laws. So you teleport home and you appear. You in, underestimate my confidence. <laughs> so you, you appear in their living room while they're watching TV. You appear in between them and the TV and you're just naked. You're like, hey, guys, see ya. And then you just run out the door to your house. You underestimate my ability. <laughs> so you take that over the 20 million and well, then. Yeah, because if I can teleport, you can always make money that way, too. You could. All right. So we've learned that you don't have any shame. Zero. And that you value flying. So fast travel is what you value. Yes. Fast travel is yes, it. Because you know how much time you would save? Time is the only resource that matters. Well, imagine if you, you could do seminars all the time. Yeah. You would just have to warn them, hey, listen, I'm coming to do this seminar. I'm going to be there naked, though, just at first. And then you're going to have, have to have a gi ready yeah, for me. Yeah, have a gi ready for me. And so people are there. You appear in the middle of a set seminar naked. You're like, hello, everyone. I'm Cordler Gracie. I'll be back. You run away, you're flopping yeah. around, and then well, you cause, change. Because after a while, you're just you're just used to it. Yeah, you become a you'd become known as the naked jujitsu guy. Hey, there are worse things to be called. That's a great publicity angle. No, to that's take. a horrible publicity angle, but naked. that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do any kid seminars, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> Corley, could you come to a kid seminar? <clears throat> Let me book a flight. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll fly there. Yeah. All right, well, that's it for this episode. That's a good way to end strong and honor the uh, legacy of Hickson. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.